You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. My Lord. Jesus is Lord. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter what we're going through. He's still on the throne. on the throne one thing is that walking with God does not mean that you will not go through things alright doesn't mean that because you are walking by faith you will not be challenged but one thing is certain he has promised he will never leave you. Amen. <laughs> yeah? Yes. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Amen. That's his promise. Hallelujah. So when you look at the heroes of faith, you see how some of them, how God was um, different ways that their faith worked worked wonders different kinds of wonders <laughs> hmm? and, um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 Hebrews 11 reading from verse 32 he says and what more shall I say for time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak not the one that came from Mandela's day. <laughs> yeah, time will fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, hmm? who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, Obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. We'll stop there. So, I want to speak to you on what I call faith to escape the sword. Huh? Who by faith? Verse 33. Uh, no, 34, 34. Yeah. Escape the edge of the sword. There is a faith that enables you to escape the edge of the sword. Amen. Yes? yes? There's a faith that enables you to escape the bullet. <laughs> In their days, it wasn't just the sword. I mean, it was the sword that they used for battle. In our days, it's not just the sword. We have more deadly weapons. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. We have more deadly weapons and it says that by faith, there is a faith that enables us not only to escape the violence of fire, but also to escape the edge of the sword. So in other words, the fact that you have faith does not mean that a sword will not come against you. All right? Amen. But you can escape it. Amen. You can escape it. Praise the Lord. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the enemy will not come against you because you are walking by faith. No, he will come. But you will escape. 
You will escape every strategy of the enemy. You will escape every attempt of the enemy. And there are several of our heroes of faith whose lives are a testimony of escaping the edge of the sword. And remember, the principle is that according to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, they overcame him, they overcame the dragon, they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So their testimony can be used to overcome. You can use the testimonies of the heroes of faith and apply it in your life to escape and to overcome and overpower the enemy. Yeah. And I believe that most of us, if not all of us, are going through some kind of trial in one way or the other. Am I correct? Yes. So the trial... Although we're being tried left, right, and center, we know that we are overcomers. We are overcomers. That's what the Bible says. And why is that? Because we have faith in the blood of Jesus. We have faith in the blood of Jesus. And also we have a testimony if not your own testimony, the testimony of Scripture. The testimony of the Scriptures. You can use the testimony of the Scriptures to overcome. You can use the testimonies of the heroes of faith to overcome. To overcome whatever it is. Come on. How many overcomers do we have here? Glory. Yes. So let's look at some examples of those of how some of our heroes of faith escape the edge of the sword. There are s- several of them. I'll give you maybe two, if time permits, three, that escape the edge of the sword. One of such people we know very well. You remember, um, you remember when, when Abraham was taken when he went to Egypt, right? When he went to Egypt, what happened? The um, Pharaoh <laughs> wanted Sarah. For himself, right? But God did not allow him to touch Abraham. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think I want to deal with that example. Um, but anyway, his life was spared. His life was spared. In the case of Pharaoh, in the case of um, another king, who is that? Is it Abimelech? That's right, Abimelech. God says, if you touch him, you will die. You better ask him to pray for you. Because he's a prophet. <laughs> okay? Why? He's a man of faith. This guy, even though he was weak at some point, he was scared for his life, but he still had faith in God. And God showed up. Amen? But what about David? I like the example of David. You remember when Saul was chasing him and wanted to kill him? But he escaped. He escaped. Saul did all that he could and still was not able to get... Uh, David. Let's look at First Samuel. 
First Samuel chapter 18. It's interesting. <laughs> you know, the, the people, after David killed Goliath, he became popular, a national hero overnight. Hmm? He became a national hero overnight, and the women were singing, celebrating, celebrating this victory. They were celebrating this victory, and they composed a song. They composed a song, and as they were singing this song, they were singing that Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens, his ten thousands. And obviously, this is just poetry. It's not as if David's <laughs> slew 10,000 Goliaths. Although Goliath was representing a whole nation. And Saul has slain his uh, thousand, and David, 10,000. And Saul heard this song. <laughs> Sometimes when the enemy hears some of the songs you sing, it provokes him. <laughs> Does it mean you shouldn't sing? You continue to sing, right? Verse, verse, verse 7, chapter 18, verse 7. So the woman sang and they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Hmm? Then Saul was very angry, the, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Yeah, that's what happens when you are when you are celebrated before an insecure leader. Yeah. They ascribe thousands to me. And they ascribe ten thousands to this boy. What next? The kingdom. Well, obviously David was destined for the king. King for the for the for kingship. So, in a way, <laughs> he sensed something about David. But his insecurity, the enemy used that, which often is the case. That's why you must not be insecure. Why? Because if you are insecure, the enemy will use that insecurity yes. to punish other people around you that have potential. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, he says, that what else but the kingdom? So, Saul eyed David from that day forward. So, the way he started seeing David was different. From that day, from that song. And this is someone that should have been given a national award for saving the nation of a major embarrassment. Am I not right? Yeah. But what is he getting? <laughs> the, the king's wrath. And it happened the next day that a distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Do you understand this? A distressing spirit from where? From God came upon Saul. Now, you need to understand something about the Bible, especially the Old Testament. There are some tenses in the Hebrew that are not in English. So when it says a, a distressing spirit from God, that's not an accurate representation. Because in the Hebrew, there is a tense that does not exist in English. 
So that tense is, is a permissive tense where it is accurately, it should have said, um, a spirit permitted by God. Do you see? Because God does not have a distressing spirit. Some other versions will say an evil spirit. God doesn't have an evil spirit. Okay? But God permits. God permits it. So that's why you find there are certain scriptures where it would say, uh, it would say uh, the, the Lord sent this spirit, this plague. No, no, no. God doesn't have any plague to give, but he permits it. Because when you interpret scriptures, it has to be consistent with God's nature. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Every good and perfect gift is from where? From God. So is it good? Is it perfect? Then it's, where is it from? It's not from God. But it's permitted by God. That's why you see, even when you read Deuteronomy 28, where he talks about the curses, he says that I will bring these curses upon you. But the tense there is the same kind of tense. It's the same kind of language. So accurately you interpret it the same way. I will permit. All right? Because those curses are from the devil. Evil is from the devil. He comes to steal to kill and to destroy. So when there is stealing huh, and there is destruction, the Lord obviously permits it. He allows the enemy. He allows the enemy. In fact, the enemy can't wait to be allowed. He's always seeking for permission to destroy. That's why in the case of Job, he went to God to ask for permission, remember? Yeah, so he's always going to God to get permission to do things against people. All right, so, but for God to permit him, there has to be a, a reason. There has to be a legal ground. And in this case, we know that the legal ground was Saul's, was deep down in Saul's heart. Where he became, um, what's the word that I used earlier? <laughs> huh? Insecure. Yeah. So his insecurity invited the spirit. Okay. That spirit now says to God, can I, should I? Look, two cannot work together unless they be agreed. He is in, in agreement with me now. So allow me to carry out my, my own ministry. Hallelujah. Okay. It happened on the next day, God permitted a spirit to come upon Saul. Wow, okay. It's a good one. You see, <laughs> God permitted. Hmm? To permitted a spirit to come upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. Can you see? He even prophesied. Who knows what he prophesied? David, you'll be king one day. <laughs> he prophesied. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. Hmm? And Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. He escaped the spear. My, oh my. <laughs> That's how you're going to escape. When the enemy plans, you know, to pin you to the wall. Incredible. What did the guy do? 
he didn't he wasn't the one that asked the woman to sing the song do you get, do you get my point he, he didn't ask the woman to sing the song did he he wasn't campaigning for any office But sometimes you're so innocent, and yet people will attack you. You think it's only when you do bad. You must be mistaken. You don't have to do bad. Do good. And somebody will be upset. Someone celebrates you, you'll be in trouble. I remember how I got into trouble because people came to testify to my superior that uh, God was using me to do things in their life. And I was in trouble for that. It's like, what? <laughs> oh my God. The Lord is good. Amen. Look at, look, look at um, 1 Samuel 19. Verse 8, it says, there was war again. David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow. And they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came. Huh? It came upon Saul as he sat in his house with a spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin him to the wall. But he slipped away from Saul's presence. And so David fled and escaped that night. Verse 11. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. My Thank God, at least Michal did something good. You know, she was the one that made fun of him when he was dancing, remember? So God used her to save his life. His faith. You see, when you're walking by faith, God will be working behind the scenes. God will be using people. You know, you, sometimes you don't know when faith is active. What I mean is that you don't know where your faith is being effective. It, it, you, you, you're just believing, but things are happening, and you don't have control over those things. But God is using your faith to stir certain things. His faith in God was what enabled him to take out Goliath. All right? Saved him from Goliath's sword. <laughs> Caused him to escape the sword of the Philistines. And now he escapes Saul by faith. Isn't that wonderful? My Lord, my Lord. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 6. Another good example. 2 Kings chapter 6. You remember the story of um, Elisha? Let's read from verse, verse 8. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, Beware that you do not pass this place. For the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful. He was watchful there, and not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? <laughs> and one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. 
So he said, go, see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Now, look at how ridiculous this is. This man, each time he plans to go against the king of Israel, he finds out that the king of Israel somehow gets wind of this plan. And then takes precaution huh? and plans otherwise. So he is so troubled because this thing has happened several times. And he calls his servants. Who is the informant here? Who is it that has so, is selling us out? And they laugh. They say, you don't know. There is a man in Israel called Elisha. He's a prophet. He hears what you say in your bedroom. What you, you are saying in your bedroom. Huh? <laughs> so he says, go and arrest him. Now, if he hears what you are saying in your bedroom, don't you think he would have heard this instruction as well? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, it's not that the prophet, a prophet does not always hear everything that you say all the time, or else he will go crazy. But there are times that the, the Lord gives a prophet set, you know, insight. There's, there are times that the Lord will show him, at times that the Lord will open his ear hmm, to hear what is being said. It's like how Pastor Sam escaped the assassination attempt. Hmm? It was being planned, and the Lord showed him. He saw them in the place where they were discussing. And he saw the man that gave the instruction. And he heard the instruction that was given. Huh? You go, you enter his room, you enter his house, you climb this place. This is his room. <laughs> the person described everything and it was accurate. And he says, he says, he saw and he heard in that, that vision, he said, the guy says, kill him. If you don't get him, kill the wife. That was the instruction. And of course, he escaped. That's how come they are still alive today. Hmm? The assassin came to the house, got access, got into the house, entered into the house. But guess what? Pastor Simon and the wife were not there. <laughs> they were in Jobel's house. <laughs> Amen. And he put security in place. Before he left, and the assassin was taken out, he got into the house, but he, he died. Say, man of God, you killed somebody? <laughs> In Nigeria, they say, do me, I do you. God no go vex. <laughs> you know what that means? It means... <laughs> Tid, yeah, tit for tat. God won't be angry. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, God showed him. Huh? God revealed it ahead of time. God revealed it to Jim Lafoon. Jim Lafoon flew to Nigeria one year ahead of time to pray for Pastor Sam. Yeah. God revealed it to Pastor Roger while we were in George. And he prayed for him. And then he comes to Joburg and he, he shifts his return by one day. And that was the day that it was supposed to have happened. They were not at home. They escaped. By faith, they escaped the bullets. Glory to God. Amen. 
So therefore, this king, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. They came by night and surrounded the city. Surrounded the whole city there looking for this man. And when the servant of the man of God arose and went out, there was an army surrounding the city and horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? We're finished. Oh. And he said, he answered to him, he answered him and said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. Huh? And behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. My goodness. They that are with us are more than they that are with them. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. So a lot of times it's because we don't see. Our eyes are not open. Elisha was at peace. He was in faith. Yes. Then he prayed, God, open his eyes. Elisha didn't really need his eyes to be open to see. He already knew by faith. But the young man needed his eyes to be open because he didn't have the kind of faith Elisha had. He said, God, just open his eyes. You know? <laughs> so that's why sometimes we say that we work with angels. It's not because we're seeing angels, but we know. Come on. We know because the Lord has said, I will give my angels charge over you. To keep you in all your ways. Is that not what he said in Psalm 91? Hmm? You will fear no evil. Yes. Then the Syrians came down to him. Elisha prayed and said, Strike these people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness. <laughs> According to the word of Elisha. <laughs> These guys, uh, we need this kind of manifestation. Imagine someone comes, they want to, they want to, whether hijack you or whatever, you say, Lord, just strike these people with blindness. Cause them to be blind now, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and then they can't see anymore. <laughs> That's what happened here. When you operate by faith, there is a lot that is available to you. The Lord struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. May the Lord operate according to your word. According to your word. Elisha was not even quoting a scripture. He didn't have anybody's testimony to use to build his faith for this particular operation. He just said, Lord, strike them with blindness. So he has set a precedent for us in scripture now that we can strike people with blindness. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. I know some people don't like this, um, this kind of operation, or this kind of message. This pastor is telling us to strike people with blindness. That's right. That's, 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 what gave, that's what gave Paul the courage to strike that sorcerer with blindness. He said, you shall be blind for a season. And then immediately scales fell over his eyes and he couldn't see. They started leading him. For a season. This blindness was not a permanent blindness. It was a seasonal blindness. So we need seasonal blinders. <laughs> Hallelujah. Men and women that can strike people blind for a season. Said for the next three days you're not going to see that you will know that I serve a living God. Come on. How about that? We, don't, don't you think that would be nice? Ha! Huh. 
Somebody comes to rob you and then you say, from now on, you are blind for a season. For the next three days. And you will know, you will learn never to do that anymore. And the only way your eyes will open is if you get saved. And you give your life to Jesus. But that will happen in three days. <laughs> yeah. So we have the testimony of scripture. And we can believe God. Hallelujah. So, yeah. And God did that according to the word of the Lord. And then what happens? Let's see the next verse. Come on. Now, Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. <laughs> he led them to where they came from. Hallelujah. So there is a faith like this. There is a faith to walk with God like this. If you allow your religious mind to, to, to dictate how you walk with God, you will miss a lot of things. I love the scriptures. Because it just defies human reasoning. Glory, glory. How many people believe God for this kind of? Are you ready to escape? To escape the edge of the sword by faith. There will be times that the enemy will want to come against you. And you know what? The sword cannot, it might not only be physical, it can be spiritual as well. Yeah, it can be spiritual. You need to have the faith to escape it. You need to have the faith to escape it. I'm telling you. There are many people that have been attacked in, 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 even in their dreams. You know, an arrow is shot at them and they wake up sick and the next day something else. They get a stroke or, you know, just something it has happened to many people. But by faith you will escape. You will escape. If you have the faith, if you believe God, if you trust God, you will escape. Hmm? I remember there was a time that that um, my wife was sleeping and she just heard it was as if, you know, somebody, I think it was somebody pierced her or something. Just like that. And she woke up the next day sick. Is that ordinary? Oh, come on, guys, you're reading too much. It's just a dream. Huh? Sickness that the doctors cannot find. You go, they can't explain, they don't know what is wrong. They do every test. They can't find anything. And you think it's ordinary? You must be kidding. If you are so naturally minded that you don't understand spiritual things. It took prayer to reverse that thing. Do you understand? And, and oftentimes it, 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 it has happened to many people. I've heard of different cases. We've prayed for different people. But you need to begin to exercise faith. Whether you are awake or asleep, your faith should be working. It should be working to deal with the enemy. Glory. My Lord. What about the sword? What about the sword in people's mouths? Yeah. You know that when people talk, there's a sword in their mouth. <laughs> yeah. The Bible talks about he that speaks with the piercing of the sword. 
You need faith to, to counter that. Because there are some words you hear and you get paralyzed in your faith. There are words you hear that will paralyze your vision. That can even kill your vision. There are words you hear. Hmm? There, there are words you hear that will plant fear into your heart. Yeah. So those are, those are also swords. That's the edge of a sword, but in somebody's mouth. Hallelujah. So you need to have the faith to escape that. To escape that. Doesn't matter what people say. You need to stand strong. How many people know what I'm talking about? You've, you've, you've heard some people say certain things, and then it's like you... It's like something has happened. There's been a shift inside you. Yeah, that's not an ordinary word. That's a sword. That's a sword. How can the Bible talk about speaking with the piercings of the sword? It's in the book of Psalms. David understood this. He knew that there were times people spoke and it was like the piercing of the sword. It was the swords of men. Supernaturally empowered to paralyze you. Hallelujah. I believe that with this faith, you will escape the edge of the sword. By the testimony of scripture, you can escape. Hmm? There are some people whose words seem to carry more weight than others. So that means their swords are sharper. <laughs> yeah. That's why you need to be careful what you say. What you say to people, what you say to your children, what you say. Just be careful. Don't just say anything. Because you could be using a sword. Okay, in the book of Proverbs, not Psalms. Look at that. There is one who speaks like what? The piercings of a sword. Can you see? Proverbs 12, 18. But the tongue of the wise promotes health. So the piercing of the sword brings wounds. There are people who have swords that wound your soul when they speak. You need to be able to escape that by faith. From now on, no matter the form in which the sword comes, you have what it takes to overcome it. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You will escape it. The edge of the sword. I don't care how you speak, but I will escape. I don't care how that sword comes, whether it is physical, whether it is spiritual, whether it is through words. I am going to escape. By faith, I will escape. Because the Bible says, no weapon formed or fashioned against you shall prosper. A sword is a weapon. It's a weapon. So God has already given you the promise to use to counter that. My Lord. My Lord and my God. I declare that every sword that is designed and fashioned against you, that is designed to bring you down, that is designed to destroy your faith that is designed to destroy your life, that is designed to destroy your future, is destroyed right now. In the name of Jesus, they are destroyed right now. 
in the name of Jesus. Every weapon that is formed or fashioned against you will not prosper in the name of Jesus. They will not prosper in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Mighty God. Glory to God. Look at that scripture, Isaiah 54, 17. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Can you see? Because the tongue is also a weapon. It can be a weapon. And many times in the lives of Christians, the devil uses the tongue to destroy us the most. It's the tongue he uses. Because sometimes you can be distracted. You are looking for a physical sword and he knows that you will easily see that one. And you can take cover. But then, with the one in the mouth, <laughs> he knows that you will not be able, unless you are trained to discern, you will not know. And so sometimes some people talking, and you think that this person is just no, 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 no. It is a weapon that Satan wants to use to kill something in you. If not to kill your life, he wants to kill something that is in you. Amen? So we need to bear that in mind. So any tongue that rises against you in judgment is condemned right now in the name of Jesus. Condemned in the name of Jesus. They will not prosper. He says, This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. The Lord is taking responsibility for your righteousness. Taking responsibility for your righteousness. So you, you don't even need your own righteousness in order to deal with these things. You need his righteousness in order to deal with this. Oh, this is a real war, I'm telling you. It's a real war. Because some people will talk to you and it's like, you will never amount to anything. That is a sword. That is a sword to kill your dream. To kill your, 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 your vision and your, your desire. To kill your drive. To kill your passion. Do you understand? To kill your spirit. Oh, you've made ten mistakes. So what? How many did Thomas Edison make? How many did he make? Before he got it right. So it doesn't matter how many mistakes you make. I'm telling you, don't allow anybody to use your mistakes to predict your future. Don't allow it. So what? Mistakes are, 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 are an evidence that you are doing something. Am I correct? If you don't do anything, will you make a mistake? <laughs> Just sit down under the blanket. You don't make mistakes like that. <laughs> you have to get out of bed, right? And do something in order for you to make a mistake. But sometimes the enemy will use your mistakes to predict your future. And that's how sometimes, you know, he will use the tongues of men to now shape your future. I reject that over your life. In the name of Jesus, they will not prosper. They will not prosper. I can't remember what company it is in Silicon Valley. 
You are actually rewarded for your mistakes. So your attempts, how many times, the more you do it, the more you get rewarded for attempting. What a policy. No wonder they are very innovative. It's one of these tech companies. I don't remember which one. I don't want to misquote. Yeah. But, but they, they say, if you don't make mistakes, that means you're not trying. How are you going to be innovative if you don't take steps? Huh? I mean, scientists, you, you guys, you experiment, right? You, you, you try different things, right? Engineers, come on. Okay, you design, you, then you test, and then you correct, you do again, and you do again until you get it right. That's how come children are so amazing. Why? Because they're not afraid to try. And Jesus said we have to be converted and become like them. So you try, you fall, you get up again and try this walking business. Eventually you get it right. And then you become an expert. <laughs> but then some people with a critical spirit will look and then they say, look at this child, he can't even walk. But before you know it, he'll be running. Yeah. I mean, I know some children that even at one couldn't, couldn't walk. At one, mommy, carry me. They're even talking and they're not walking. You know? But then, just give them a bit of time. They might be slow, but they will get it. Hallelujah. So, why am I saying this? Don't allow huh, the swords <laughs> in people's mouths to kill your desire to walk. Your dream of walking. Don't let that be killed. By some, God forgive me, moron, <laughs> who does not have any clue as to God's plan for your life. He was not there in the boardroom with God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. When they fashioned your future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So don't be upset if someone doesn't understand. Just say you are not there. Okay? You are ignorant. Mighty God. I think let's let's pray. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.